I'm now going to hand over to Daniel Hayter, who is going to be continuing our preaching series that we've been working through over the last few weeks. So, Dan, over to you, my friend. Well, hello. It's great to be with you. Uh, we're in a teaching series at the moment uh, called Troublemakers on the lives of Elijah and Elisha, who are prophets in the Old Testament, who are speaking on behalf of God to the people of God at a time where Israel, the people of God, had turned away from God to worship false gods. And uh, we've been looking at the life of Elijah and uh, then moved on to look at Elisha over the last few weeks. And today we're looking at the story of Elisha and a man called Naaman. And this is in 2 Kings 5. And we're going to read verses 1 to 14. And it's a wonderful story, which I think has got a, a lot to teach us about our own relationship with God. So let's read the word of God together. This is 2 Kings 5 verses 1 up to 14. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favour, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valour, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told, this, told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends words, word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Father, I pray as we look at this passage together that you would speak to us and help us to appreciate your amazing goodness and your grace even more. I pray that for everyone who is watching this. Amen. Amen. So on the surface of it, this is a story about a man who had leprosy being healed, which is wonderful. But as we dig into it, what we'll realise is that this is a picture of what coming to know Jesus is like. We'll realise this is a little bit of a mirror, a pointer towards what it looks like to come to know Jesus. And so as we look through this story, we're going to pick up on those parallels that we can see with us coming to know Jesus. So let's have a look at Naaman's story. So Naaman, as we find out in the first few verses, 
in this chapter is a commander in the Syrian army. Now that immediately puts him on a bad footing. He is part of the enemies of God's people. The Syrians were the enemies of God's people. And he's a commander of the Syrian army. It's like, imagine you're, you're a, a, a Brit, for example, in the Second World War. Naaman would be a Nazi commander. That's kind of who we're talking about. We're talking about someone who is very much the enemy of God's people in that context. But he's not just an enemy of God's people. He also is a leper. Now, if you had leprosy in, in, in this particular time, it would mean that you weren't able to come to the temple to worship God. So it meant you were separated from God, but it also meant you were separated from people. A little bit like it has been with COVID over the last year, but even more so. It's like the ultimate social distancing. No one would want to come near you because you've got leprosy. And this is, it's bleak for him. But this is a picture of us as well, I think. I think it's, a, it's a, an, a mirror of what we were like before we came to know Jesus. Because we, just like Naaman, were enemies of God's people. We were enemies of God and we were separated from God. We couldn't come near him. We were outcasts. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 2. Verses 1 to 3, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What a bleak picture. We were dead in our sins. We were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is a, this is a bleak picture. And my question to, to you, to us is, do you realise just how desperate you were before you came to know Jesus? You may have realised that, you may not have realised it, but this is telling us, this is what we were like before we came to know Jesus. We were dead, unable to do anything and deserved the wrath and punishment of God against all of the rebellion that we had against him. And this might seem a little bit kind of like, oh gosh, that's a, that's a bit dark. But I think it's important for us to realise this because the more you appreciate how undeserving you are, the more grateful you are when you get something that you don't deserve. So if you are basically a pretty good person in a court and the, and the judge says, I've come to the conclusion that you're not guilty, you're a good person, off you go. You're not going to be that grateful for the judge. Whereas if you know that you're a murderer, and you've murdered people. And the judge says to you, I know you're a murderer, but I'm going to let you off. You're going to go scot-free and I'm going to give you a million pounds. Your gratefulness to the judge is going to go through the roof at that point. And the same is true for us. If we don't appreciate just how dark our situation was before we came to know Jesus, whether or not we externally looked like we were desperate, if we don't recognise that, we're not going to appreciate the fact that God has given us what we don't deserve. Because the glorious news, just like Naaman in this story, is that God has given us what we don't deserve by bringing us into his family. And if we think that that is something that we just deserved anyway, we're not going to be that thankful. But if we realise how desperately needy we were of Jesus, how we were dead in our sins, we deserved the judgment of God, but Jesus saved us, our gratefulness is going to go through the roof. And I'm just aware in my own life that I can very often take God's grace, him giving me what we don't deserve, what I don't deserve, and his love for granted. It's like, well, yeah, of course, of course God would love me. And I think, no, 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 no. 
No, there's no reason why God had to love me. I was a mess. I'm a, I, I, to be honest, I didn't look unimpressive from the outside. I, didn't look, I wasn't a bad person as such, but I was dead. I was separated from God. And I need to recognise that in my life because God's grace only makes sense when we realise how bleak our situation was. And let's, friends, let's make sure that we don't lose the wonder if we ever get to a point in our lives where we feel like we're numb to the, the um, awesomeness of God's grace, that where we, we're kind of like, yeah, well, of course God would love me. Or we're feeling like, oh, there's just not a sense of how amazing God's grace is in our heart. Let's, let's get on our knees before God and pray and say, God, would you help me to read passages like we've just read in Ephesians 2 and go, that was me. That was me. I was dead. I was miles from him. Let's sing songs like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Remember how much of a wretch we were before coming to know Jesus. And that helps us to grow in gratefulness. I've been singing quite a bit over the last week a song called Grace Alone. It's just it's a wonderful song by the ba a band called The Modern Post, which just describes the fact we didn't deserve it. We were rebels against God. We were enemies of God. We were dead. But God saved us. Let's, let's remember how amazing God's grace is. And let's do that in part by remembering just how desperately we needed him, just like Naaman in this story. So Elijah, Elisha hears of, of, of this man called Naaman and he calls him and Elisha sends a messenger to meet Naaman. And the messenger tells him in verse 10, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. And Naaman is offended. Naaman gets really offended here. He said, oh, seriously, I thought that Elisha would just come out and wave his hands over me and heal me. And even if he doesn't do that, can't I just go and wash in the rivers back home in Syria? They're far better. He talks about Abana and Farpa in verse 12, the rivers of Damascus. So why do I need to go and wash in this dirty Israelite river? I mean, the Jordan was not the nicest of rivers in the world. And he's like, why do I need to do that? He wants to do stuff his way. He's like, I, I, yeah, I want to be cleaned from my leprosy, but I want to do stuff my way. And God's, God, Elisha says to him, no, 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 that you need to do stuff in the way that I've told you. You need to do stuff God's way. And we need to ask the question, why, why did he have to do it that way? Why did he have to do it in the Jordan? And part of the reason, I think, is that the Jordan was the river that Israel crossed over in order to come into the promised land. In other words, it's a river that symbolizes the moment where God rescued Israel out of Egypt and brought them into the land that he'd promised with them. So if Naaman goes to wash in the Jordan, he is associating himself with the moment where God rescued his people. That, you can't just do that in any river. It has to be in the Jordan. And so what this requires is for Naaman to say, I'm going to choose to trust God's way rather than my own, even if it seems like it's a bit silly. And he does do that. His servants convince him. Why don't, like, please go ahead and do what Elisha's told you. And the result is he comes out cleansed. He does things God's way. He trusts that God's way is better and he comes out clean. And just to say, this is a, I think this is an amazing picture of baptism. This is a wonderful picture of baptism when it's done as an act of faith and repentance, where we turn to Jesus and we say, I'm going to get baptised. I've put my trust in him. I've turned away from my old life. I'm going to get baptised. Because just as Naaman associates himself in the water with the saving event where God brought Israel into the promised land, 
when we put our trust in Jesus, repent, and when we get baptized, when we go under the water, we associate ourselves, the New Testament says, with the death and resurrection of Jesus, the ultimate saving event. So we get united with that moment of God's rescue, just like Naaman gets united with that moment of God's rescue here. And when we come out of the water, just like Naaman comes out of the water completely clean, it says in verse 14, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. I think this is a wonderful picture of the fact that when we then emerge from the waters of baptism, having put our faith in Jesus, turned away from our old life, we emerge a brand new creation. God does something. God saves us. God makes us brand new. You, we, you're not just half saved. Can I, can I encourage you, if you're, a, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've put your trust in him, you've, you've been baptised, rejoice in the fact that when God saved you, when you got baptised, you weren't just half washed. You weren't just half saved. You were fully saved. God completely rescued you. It's a wonderful news. It's so helpful to remember Remember the day of your baptism. Remember that moment where you went under, you united with Jesus' death and resurrection. You came up and you you were able to say, Jesus has washed my sins away. It's wonderful. I didn't do anything. I didn't deserve it, but he's done it. It's amazing. Maybe some of you, you've never made that step of following Jesus. And maybe a little bit like Naaman in this story, you're like, well, I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm curious. I've heard about this prophet in Israel and I want to investigate. Can I, can I have this problem that I'm aware of taken away? And if that's you and you've kind of, as I've been talking, come to realize, yeah, I, I do have a problem. I am actually living my life away from God and I want to now live my life in line with God. I want to live my life uh, forgiven of all of the things that I've done wrong. The wonderful news is however far you feel you are from God at the moment, you can come to know him. You can put your trust in Jesus. You can turn away from the way that you're currently living and say, Jesus, I want to follow you and you alone. And you can get baptised and trust in Jesus. And God's gonna, God will rescue you. God will rescue you out of everything that is stopping you from coming to know him. And if that's you, just hang around for a few minutes and I'm going to let you know how you can get in touch with us so that you can respond in that way. But having said that, just like Naaman had to choose to trust God's way over his own, actually, we need to do that ourselves. We need to say, well, I'm going to have to trust God on his own terms. That actually there are moments in our life and there are moments as we come to follow Jesus where we need to say, I can't actually do this. I can't actually be the one who saves me. I can't do that. I've come to realise I can't do that. I'm going to need to trust God and I'm going to need to submit to his ways. It's a little bit like a... um, if you've um, ever experienced what it was like, what it's like to see a child trying to do something that they obviously can't do. It's just beyond them. It's impossible for them to do it. And what they need at that point is to acknowledge that their parents' way is better. They need to humble themselves and allow their parents to help them, allow their parents to do the thing that they're struggling to do. And the same is true with us. When we come to know Jesus, part of what we need to do is to trust that his way is better, however strange it might look. And Naaman here had to do that. He had to humble himself and trust that God's way is better. And I wonder for us, for you, what are those areas where you need to learn to trust, humble yourself and trust that God's way is better? Where is that in our our own life? Now, for some of you, it might be the actual act of baptism itself. It may be that for you, it looks like trusting that when God commands his followers to be baptized, that that is better than not doing it. 
You might be a bit like Naaman thinking, water? I, do I really need to get washed in water? That sounds all silly, it sounds so stupid. Can't I do something more impressive? What will my parents or my family think if I end up getting baptized? I prefer to just not do it. Can't I just, can't I just come to know Jesus on my own terms? And maybe for you today, there's a challenge to say, are you gonna trust that God's command to get baptized is better? And if that is the case and you want to get baptized, whether or not you have been a follower of Jesus, um, whether or not that's that you might have been following Jesus for years, you might have just come to realize Jesus is worth following. Why don't you get in touch with us? There's a link that's going to come up in the chat and you can leave your details and say, I want to come to know Jesus and get baptized or I've been following Jesus for a while and I want to find out about baptism. We'd love to get in touch with you. Can I encourage you and challenge you? Why don't you trust God's way is better? When he commands us to get baptized, he knows what he's doing. Just like the parent with the child who is able to help the child, God is able to help us to do the thing that we're not able to do. We're not able to save ourselves, but God tells us, here's the way you get rescued. You put your trust in Jesus, you turn away from your old life and you get baptized. Can I encourage you? Why don't you take that step? What about the rest of us? What maybe those, maybe many of us here will have been baptized already, but this is a daily thing actually to like Naaman choose to trust that God's way is better is a daily thing. It, and it impacts the little life choices. It, it might mean choosing to go to God in prayer when something that causes anxiety or worry comes up rather than spending ages worrying about it. I know for me, that's the case. If, if something comes up that I can't solve, my default is I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to talk about it a lot. I'm going to worry about it a lot. And oh, a few hours later, oh, I should probably pray about it. Maybe for some of us, there's that decision next time something comes up where we think, oh, this is hard, difficult financial situation or tricky situation to learn the act of trusting God by saying, I'm going to come to God in prayer and going to trust him to help me in the midst of this. It could be choosing to honour people over gossiping. Say, I'm going to trust that honouring people rather than gossiping about them, which honouring people, God's way, gossiping about people might be tempting. It's our way. I'm going to choose to trust that honouring people is going to be better than gossiping. I'm going to choose to forgive people rather than hold on to bitterness because I'm going to choose to trust that God's way is better. It could be choosing to connect to a Zoom uh, service for church, even though everything in us is thinking, I, I, I find it really hard to engage but I'm going to choose to trust that gathering together in, in whatever way we can is better than the alternative. There might be, it, it impacts the little day-to-day -day decisions. You see, responding to Jesus and following Jesus involves humbling ourselves. It involves saying, Jesus, you're the one who can rescue me. You're the one who can change me. I am going to choose to trust you and to trust that your way is better. But as we do that, we need to realise that the outcome is better. The outcome is far better than choosing our own way. If Naaman had chose his own, chosen his own way in this story, he would have come out completely the same. Nothing would have happened. But because he chose to trust God's ways rather than his, he came out clean. And the same is true of us. As we choose to follow Jesus, as we choose to submit our plans to him, as we choose to humble ourselves, as we choose to trust that his ways are better, we get far greater joy than we could ever get outside of that. I know that when I choose to come to God in prayer in moments when I'm anxious rather than worrying or over-processing or whatever, I will come out far more joyful. And I need to learn actually, let me, let me trust God in this moment. Let me come to him in prayer. I mean, I, that might look different for you, but can I encourage you? Choose God's way. You will not regret it. But as we come 
to an end, I just want to pick up, we've kind of looked at how this is an amazing picture of baptism and coming to know Jesus, but I just want to pick up on one thing at the end, which is not a similarity, but a contrast between this story and between Jesus. Because Elisha in this story doesn't, whilst Naaman has got leprosy, doesn't actually go to see Naaman. He sends a messenger. The messenger says, you need to go away yourself and go and dip in the River Jordan seven times. But if you know the Gospels, the stories of Jesus in the New Testament, you might be familiar with what Jesus does with lepers, with people who have leprosy. He doesn't stay away from them like Elisha did in this story. He comes close to them and he touches them. And as he touches them, he doesn't get made unclean, which is what Elisha would have been scared of. He actually makes them clean. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful picture again of what happens to us that when we feel so dirty, And I know that there are things that I've done in my life that I look back on and I feel absolute and utter shame. And I just think that that there are some things that I I just wouldn't want to share with anyone because I just feel so, oh gosh, how did I end up doing that? How could I end up thinking that? How could I? And things that I'm even, even over the last few days that I've just been aware of, thought patterns, ways of acting in my mind that I think, gosh, that makes me feel so far from God, so dirty. I need to remember, Jesus is the one who doesn't stand far off and say, whoa, I'm not coming near your mess. Jesus is the one who comes near to us in our mess. Jesus doesn't recoil from your dirt. Whatever you have done, whatever the worst thing you have done in your life is, the things that make you so shameful that you think, I, I I I can't even bring myself to think about that thing that I've done, let alone tell someone else about it. Those things... Do not make Jesus recoil. He comes to you, touches you, and in the moment where you accept Jesus, he cleanses you and forgives you. It's wonderful. Can I encourage you, do not hold back from Jesus in moments where you feel like you've messed up too much. If I mess up and I don't come to Jesus, something's wrong. I need to to come straight to Jesus when I mess up because he doesn't recoil away from my dirt. He meets me in my shame and he forgives me and cleanses me. This is what 1 John 1 verse 9 says, it's wonderful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you aware of things in your life today that you feel ashamed of or you feel guilty about? Come to Jesus, confess them to him in prayer. This promise is that as you do that, he will forgive you. And not only will he forgive you, he won't just let you off the hook, he will cleanse you wash you clean just like Naaman was washed clean from all unrighteousness God's grace is amazing God giving us what we don't deserve is amazing and so why don't we respond to this wonderful message that God cleanses and cleans us as we come to know him praising him and reminding ourselves of his amazing goodness towards us yeah thank you father that we get to put our trust in you and our trust is not misplaced you are you're our, you're, our, you're our strength, Lord. You're our fortress. You protect us. You look after us. You're faithful to us. You never let us down. And, Lord, we say thank you. Lord, thank you for the reminder this morning about the fact that you moved towards us. Lord, before we ever moved towards you, Lord, you, mo- you moved towards us, tackling our sin and our guilt and our shame. And and taking that punishment for us so that we could come to know you, to be friends and children of God because of your kindness. Lord Jesus, we say thank you so, so much. Amen. Amen. Friends, it's so good to be able to
meet like this and to spur one another on and to encourage one another. And so um, I just want to thank you for continuing continuing to connect with us in this way. It is uh, it's very, very good for us. I want to thank Dan for a uh, message this morning. Really helpful, really provocative as well. Helpfully provocative. Um, think about baptism. Friends, if you haven't been baptised, uh, maybe you'd like to get in contact with us. If you haven't followed Jesus, if you, if you don't know Jesus, it's your, your Lord and Saviour. You want to think about getting in contact with us if you want to follow him and, uh, and give your life to him. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we believe that he is Lord. He is God. Uh, Lord of our lives and our lives are enriched, not just enriched, we were made to enjoy being in, in, in fellowship, in relationship with him. So, um, so let's do that and let's do things his way and honour the Lord, shall we? Friends, that is it for this morning. So um, God bless you. See you soon.